Hello, welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Asban, here with my friend Chabruta and Gordon. Our DAP today, Masachet Yivamot, DAP Sadi Zion, page 90. So I know that I mentioned in yesterday's podcast this interesting story with Rabbi Yochanan. I just want to read a little part of it. It goes on today's, today's DAP. I also think I was just in the mood for a story as opposed to the Mishnah that we're going to deal with today at the beginning of the next parak. So you all have to indulge me a little bit. Um, so we had this story about Rabbi Yochanan, who was very upset because he wasn't quoted uh, or a teaching of his was not attributed to him correctly. Um, and he was so upset that it said that it almost was as if the, uh, that, well, it says literally that the Sefer Torah scroll uh, was torn. Amar Lahem. So after he gets calmed down, he says to Rabbi Yami and Rabasi, so he says, why don't you know how to appease me like Ben Edi does, right? Um, and apparently Ben Edi knew how to appease him. Rabbi Yochanan, my tama kapi hai. And so the Gemara says, Rabbi Yochanan, right? What's the reason he was so angry? What is it that he got so angry about here? And so they bring a teaching of Rabbi Yehuda uh, in the name of Rav. Um, my dichtiv, right? What is the meaning of a pasuk from Tehillim, chapter 61, verse 5? Agurab o halacha olami. I will dwell in your tent in worlds, right? And the emphasis here, the question here is, why does it say olamim? V'chi efshar lo la'adam lagur bishnei olamim. Is it possible for a person to live in two worlds, right? A person lives in an olamim. Never say a person lives in olamim. Ela amar david lifnei hakadosh baruch so what David is saying to Hashem, and notice this is interesting, this is one of those places where we see sort of, uh, you know, that we're attributing that David wrote uh, to Hillem, right? But uh, So he says, Ribono Sha'olam, right? So he says, Master of the Universe, right? That, that they will say a matter of halach in my name, right? When I've gone on into the other world. What David HaMelch is basically saying to Hashem in this Pasuk and Tehillim is sort of our fervent hope that many of us have that sort of after we pass through this world, we'll still be remembered or something that we taught will still be relevant, will still be important. And that's what we mean by Olamim, that we're in Olam Haba, that our teaching will still be talked about. So Rabbi Yochanan said in the name of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochanan, Right, so Rabbi Yochanan says that a Torah scholar in whose name, you know, some halacha is said in this world, his lips mouth those worlds in the great. Okay. And Rabbi Yitzchak ben Zeira said, and some say in the word of Shimon the Nazir, my what's the meaning of this pasuk in Shir Hashirim? Right? And the roof of your mouth is like the best wine that glides down smoothly for my beloved, moving gently the lips of those who are asleep, meaning who are asleep, those who are dead. What's interesting about this drusha that they're quoting in the name of Rabbi, of Rabbi Yochanan is, is Rabbi Yochanan was upset that something was not attributed to him while he was alive. This is talking about a teaching that takes place in the world, you know, after somebody's dead. I don't have a good answer for it, like why this teaching is brought here, because it doesn't seem to be exactly what Rabbi Yochanan was upset about. But I think the particular teaching here that's being expressed by David HaMelech in this Pasuk and Tehillim, and I think this is partially what Rabbi Yochanan was being, getting upset about, is this idea that like when we don't quote somebody or we don't really attribute 
you know, the credit that a person is due in a way you're making like they're being insignificant, right? They're not, they weren't important enough to really remember their name. And so, you know, I think we see this expressed in this particular story and in this particular teaching that we have of Rabbi Yochanan. Um, so that, I just wanted to admit, I thought it was a, a nice piece in the Gemara itself. Uh, we're not going to move on to the ninth parak. And anything you want to say about the end of the eighth parak before we move on? We're going to get very No, because I know that, here. right, exactly. I know what's coming. So dive right in. Yeah. I think I also did it because like the next Mishnah is really not a nice Mishnah. I don't have anything good to say about it. So, all right. So, comes to teach us here that somebody can marry a relative, like the sister of a mother of a woman he raped or a woman he seduced. So if a man rapes a woman or seduces a woman, he is allowed to go ahead and marry one of her relatives afterwards. However, if somebody rapes or seduces a relative of the woman who he's who is married to him, he is chayav. He actually gets a, some type of, he's chayav mita or he gets kareid, um, because he w- engaged in a prohibited sexual relationship. So, it, I, I, you know, it's an interesting mission. On the one hand, it's saying, like, if somebody rapes somebody, just a general person in the community, and he, this person, this man wasn't married, they could go ahead and marry one of her relatives. Um, but if he was a married person, and he raped or seduced one of his wives' relatives that fell into one of the Arias categories, he actually would be Chayab. Um, now, I'm not sure if that's like the way the mission is trying to tell us, oh, we're not actually all that bad. Okay. Nosei Adam Anusat Aviv Umuftat Aviv Anusat Beno Umuftat Beno And so then we have a man can marry a woman who was raped by his father or a woman seduced by his father or a woman raped by his son or a woman seduced by his That essentially, even though you know, if it's in the context of marriage, right, you know, uh, you could not be with that person, right, if something, you know, later on, but if it was, if the sexual relationship took place under duress, essentially, he could go ahead and marry that person, um, even if that person had a prior, you know, non-consensual relationship with a father or the son. Um, and Rabbi Yehuda Oser Anusato and Rabbi Yehuda says, no, you cannot marry a woman who was raped by his father or the woman was seduced by his father. He says, that's not going to be allowed. Uh, look, I get it. I, I think this Mishnah is difficult to read. I wonder if in the Mishnah's sort of own way, they actually think this leniency is a good thing, right? It allows more economic or marriage protection for a woman. I, I, that's the only way I can process this Mishnah. Um, my processing was slightly different, which was in the way of, I'm glad they are examining all the ramifications, meaning it would be terrible, let's say, if a case of rape were to come before the court and they'd be like, oh, I don't know. We've never thought about this kind of case because people don't do bad things, right? So I'm not saying that this is a pleasing discussion, but I want there to be law about this kind of thing. I think that's a fair point. There's nowhere in the mission that's saying, hey, we recommend some, this happens. I would totally agree with that. I think in a way, the mission is willing to go into the darkest of human situations. Right, right. And it's very dark. And and it's darker in our lexicon than it was then because 
because the way we treat rape today, please God, not enough, but you know, whatever, we take it very seriously. We understand the the trauma that's involved and how long, you know, ramifications can be for a very long time, if not forever, in a person's life, as compared to the biblical pre- presentation of rape, which sounds like it's making much more light of it. I think this mission knows it's being dark, meaning it, it's not being cavalier. It's not. It's not casual about it. It's. I, I feel I like it's agree. necessary. I don't, I don't think the mission is casual at all. I would. Okay. Um, shall we go on? Should we can. I, I want to say it's in some yes, ways it's um, the the what I want to talk about is Am- Ahmed Bet and Ahmed Bet presents a series of we can call them cases, but the commentaries really acknowledge beginning with Rashi, meaning this is a real. Um, acknowledgement that what is going on here in these cases, it's like a list of cases, is that they were riddles, like the people knew in that time, meaning presumably in the time of the Gemara, uh, the commentators want to know why are the riddles in the Gemara, meaning are they not teaching something, are they supposed to teach something, so the Me'iri says, and again, this is like, you know, a survey of, of some commentary, but the idea here is, and, and I find it very interesting, and it will become more interesting, I think, once we go through them, that the riddles themselves end up um, being very pointed at somebody who does the wrong thing, somebody who's going to, you know, um, intentionally engage in something that's a forbidden forbidden relationship, and then, oh, my goodness, look at what happened to you. Um, and then, you know, some of these situations could be, they're just strange, right? Again, it's not saying that they could not happen, but it's also very clear that these are these were not cases that came before the court, and they need to address the Masashaya, like a, an actual event, because that's what a riddle is, right? These are the straw man cases by definition. Um, the Balaitos would say that the riddles are here to answer up any heretics who might come along to complain about the halacha, right? And um, and the the there's another commentary that says that the reason that we they're here at all is so that people will get some practice how to answer when heretics come and pose difficult questions. Right, meaning it's it's unusual Gemara. So of course we want to talk about it. So here we have a case. The woman says that she's got a half brother from her father that's not from her mother, and the half brother is the husband of her mother, and she is the daughter of his wife. Right, meaning I, I, I'm trying to think of like this is all the the case of like the. The surgeon did, you know, did surgery on the son, but, right, like, I, I'm not, I'm blanking on the full, I should have looked up these, like, there's a whole series or genre of riddles that are exactly this, and then at the end of the day, you say, oh, it was the grandmother, it wasn't the grandfather, like you all assumed it was. So that's what's going on here, right? Well, who is this, right? Who? What's the case of the story, right? It all goes back to the Mishnah's discussion, let's say, can a man marry a woman who's been raped? or seduced, or whatever, by his father, and then we end up with a mess, right? So that's the mess, where the woman says, again, ach me'av, I have a, a brother from my father, v'lo me'aim, so we call that a half-brother nowadays, right? V'hu bala de'aim, and this half-brother has become the husband of this woman's mother, v'ana brata de'inte, and I'm the daughter of his wife, meaning because she always was the daughter of his of the wife because that marriage took place afterwards. So Rabbi Barchama comes and says, like, 
yo, this whole story is not acceptable, according to Rabbi Yehuda said in the Mishnah, which you're dinner, which you just read, namely that a man cannot marry the woman, um, uh, a man cannot marry the woman who's sleeping with his father, right? To put it bluntly. Um, okay, so well, again, this is a let's figure out what the case would have been. And it's again a point. To, I understand why the commentaries come and say, like, these are pointed um, situations because they're not ever really supposed to take place, right? A woman whose father is not married to her, to her own mother could have a half-brother who could be married to the mother, meaning as a second marriage, whatever. Um, it's it's messy, right? That's why they're riddles. We've got another one. Ahu uvri hu ana so I don't really understand the switch from Hebrew to Aramaic here. Once we're talking about riddles, like why wouldn't you just stay in whatever language it is if they're in the vernacular, but so be it, right? Here we have, again, it's a strange relationship. The woman says, he is my brother and he is my son. I am the sister of this one who I carry on my shoulders. So like, who who is she, right? What is this? And the Gemara, so rather than us, you know, I'm not gonna, we're not gonna leave you to rack your brains about this until tomorrow. The Gemara answers this question. This ends up being the case of a non Jew who ends up sleeping with his daughter and then she bears a son. So this is, um, I'm not saying it's a good situation, right? It's a case of incest, but she bears a son and then that son is both her brother from her father and also her son because she's a mother. And why does this have to be an Anjou? Because the Gemara does not want to entertain the idea that this could have been a Jew, because who would do this? Right? That's the that's the again, the point the pointed comment to the heretic. We Jews do not do this kind of thing. I don't know if that's true either, but that's you know, it's that's the only way to solve it, says the Gemara, because it would never happen that it would be a Jew. Right. Point being, why otherwise would you need a, the detail of it being a non-Jew? You could just have the relationship outlined. The Gemara insists, no, no, these were non-Jews. We have a third riddle. So here we go. It says, peace upon you, my son. I am the daughter of your sister. You're my son and I'm the daughter of your sister. Right. That already sounds like Impossible, right? So again, these are like very unpleasant, incestuous dynamics to think about, except for if it's simply a puzzle and you're trying to figure out exactly how this could ever work. It would happen if you end up with a non-Jew, again, a non-Jew because Jews don't do this, a non-Jew who sleeps with his granddaughter by his, his daughter's daughter. Um, and then, and then, right, a son is born from that, and now that son's mother is related to the son from the mother's side, right, because she's the sister's daughter, and so you end up with the bat achatech ana. Once you're the daughter of your sister, we end up in this like very complicated thing of being related on both sides in a way that, again, it should never ever be. And the guy has the, the guy has a few more, meaning it just there's like four more. I'm not going to do all four, but I'll do it. Let's see. One or two more. Delai, Dedalu, Deval. And again, there's a, a, ting, a tongue twistery aspect to them also. Like clearly they were intended to be remembered and and presented. 
דלאי דלאו דבלה ליפול בחו סתר פטר דהי דרנהו בר ואנה ברת אחווה. So what do we have here? Water drawers, meaning the people who would draw water in buckets, they would to, to irrigate the fields. It says, let this cryptic thing, you know, puzzle you. What's the case? This boy whom I'm carrying, the Drena, who bar, he is my son, and I am the daughter of his brother. So again, what's this case? And again, we need to look to the non-Jews. This is a case of a non-Jew who sleeps with the daughter of his son. So the son is the uncle. And also, um, and also, what did she say? She's the daughter of his brothers, right? So that's the uncle and the son is also her son. Um, and then lastly for us, there's three more, but we're going to do just one more. Baya, baya, me'ach, v'hu av, v'hu ba'al, v'hu bar ba'al, v'hu ba'ala, de'aim, v'ana brata de'ite, v'lo yihiv pita, l'achva yatmei b'nei bartei. So what is this? Baya, baya means whoa, whoa. Meaning, it's a, again, it gets you into the sound of it, but it's also lamenting, I think, the situation, right? Namely, me'ach v'hu av. His bro- the brother, she has a brother who is her father, and he is the husband, and he is the son of the husband, and he is the husband of the mother, and I, meaning this woman who's talking, is or the daughter of his wife, and it goes on to say, and he doesn't provide bread for the brothers who are the orphans, namely the sons of me, his daughter. So now this is, you know, even with a chart, you end up with like, it's a real riddle. You could puzzle it out and, as a game, right? If you weren't thinking about actual, actually a case of incest and it's just a, um, a math problem, then, you know, then it works. You have a non-Jew who slept with his mother. And she has a daughter. And then he sleeps with this girl, woman, who's going to be both his sister and his daughter. And then the old man, meaning his father, would come and sleep with her, and she has sons from the father. So now we've got the woman who is the wife of the father who's the brother, and he is also the son of her husband, meaning the older man, and the father's brothers, the sons that she had with the old man, are now his daughter's sons. Um, because of the relationship with the mother and not only with the father. Phew. Meaning, like I said, it's like, it's, there are people whose minds kind of just see this all very clearly. And I feel like they're the people who always solve these games at parties and things. But, um, but that's what it is. These are clearly, um, they're not exactly tongue twisters as much as mind benders. And they are playing with the issues of Yevamot rather than, putting forth scenarios that everybody's really worried about what would happen in that case. This is not a what would happen in that case. We have to resort to non-Jews to even come up with a case, right? And as much as I'm saying that particular point a little bit tongue-in-cheek, the Gemara is taking it seriously, meaning the Gemara is taking these cases seriously 
as mind benders and not as what could really happen in a Jewish family, lest they have to really figure out the Yibum situations there. It's not, it's not for real in that way. So I, you know, it's almost in a way like the DAP is having, I don't want to, well, I'm going to say it. It's like they're having fun with it for the first time or really being like, how, you know, what kind of scenarios can we fully put up together? I, I, I don't like saying that because again, I think the Mishnah that we read is troubling and I understand people who may have read it and were very bothered by it today, but the Mishnah is allowing it, the Gemara is allowing itself sort of some like freedom on this page like even the way that it's talking about it uh it's doing in a way that's like yeah let's just like we're gonna really just go with it as far as we can go with it right yes i agree and i think it's also interesting that these were out there in the common parlance in the time of the gemara like let's see how let's put them on your vummel because that's where this kind of discussion should take place but it's not a real, like, it's not a really a vamo conversation, except for that, again, like, this was a mind-bender kind of question. The same way you might find them in a puzzle book today, you can find them in the puzzle book of ancient, I don't know what, Babylonia. I don't know. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hydra website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. Thank you.